गुड इवनिंग फ्रेंड्स थैंक यू श्रद्धावान फॉर गिविंग मी दिस अपॉर्चुनिटी टू बी हियर बिकॉज इन द लास्ट टू ईयर्स दैट आई हैव सीन दिस प्लेस रियली ग्रोइंग मावेलसली really the whole atmosphere is so charged that even before i reach savitri bhavan i was feeling a, such a constant pressure that i was wondering whether speaking would be some kind of a blasphemy it would be corrupting the silence of this place which is so pregnant so beautiful as human beings we are we have one faculty which we are meant to use but most often we misuse the power of speech which is supposed to communicate something of the word that lies in the higher spheres but we end up making it an instrument for all that is low and ugly all that is full of doubt despair denial death speaks through us at times and that is the sad part but the other part is that as very touched by one of the lines in savitri where the mother refers to the human spirit when she asks for boons when death is transformed and she goes to that highest status where a boon is granted for earth and men and she asks for the mighty spirit of man on earth and one wonders it's so touching we are so used to believing ourselves as ephemeral creatures as waves on inconscient time seas we are so used to believing that we are so helpless powerless weak and yet that's the beauty of it all that there is something in us which always wants to wrestle and is always full of hope in spite of the darkest night there is something in us as a humanity not we are not talking of individuals but as a human race which strives towards something more than what we are and that is the mighty spirit of man and sometimes one wonders whether it would have been really mighty if all was too easy if immortality was served to us on a platter and told take it would we really deserve it in one of his writings shurbindo says it's a deeply moving writing it shakes us to the very core the law and the way he speaks about the supramental yoga of course and he speaks about the many many difficulties he speaks about hell shall vomit its hordes and you shall meet heaven shall meet thee with its cold pitiless luminous denials and its allures and then he says thou wouldst believe that the divine mother is with me then thou knowest not ask of his chosen ones and they will tell you how difficult it is to keep the divine grace more difficult than 
guarding kubera's treasures kubera is the lord of wealth who holds all the wealth in the world more difficult than guarding those treasures is to hold grace and then after it all he sums it up very beautifully <coughs> nay then is immortality a plaything a crown for the weakling without an effort it's really the worthy prize of a worthy soul that's the whole struggle in fact if you look at human life it's one can always see this paradox we as if live always two existences a fragile vase in which we hope to plant the flowers whose fragrance never fades flowers that bloom in heaven we want to plant them in a fragile vase called this body we hope to meet love which would never never die and yet we are constantly surrounded by love turning into hatred malice and all its very opposite our thoughts want to reach out into the infinite and yet how brief lived our hopes almost like illusory gleams it soon turns its back upon doubt and yet our thoughts want to grasp the unknowable it's very strange our passion wants to clutch at a bliss which it will never have to forfeit again to pain and yet how short lived how brief how passing our happiness is this is the paradox of human life shubindo very beautifully describes it sums it up in savitri when he says a link between the demigod and the beast a strange antinomy is his nature's rule we are full of these paradoxes strange antinomy freedom he asks but needs to live in bonds if he asked today anyone what would you like freedom or bondage instinctive reply freedom tell them okay from today you are free no bonds no relationships no trappings and most people will say that's okay but freedom can wait freedom he asks but needs to live in bonds he has need of grief to feel a little bliss and need of death to find the greater life nowhere else we see this paradox most acute as in the paradox that we know that death walks by our side all the while as a shadow it chases us before noon the shadow is behind and as the noon passes we see the shadow in falling in front of us and yet something in us always believes instinctively it's instinct this can't happen to me except for some people who you know get into a pathological state most of us live as if instinct with immortality it's very strange uh we we know about this well known story when yudhishthir is asked all kinds of questions and he replies then he asks the master question 
what is the most surprising thing, the greatest wonder. And he says, every day we see men die, yet we believe we are immortal. The story is often interpreted in a in a way, I won't use the word superficial way, but that's what I feel. It's um, it's immediate meaning that, well, everybody has to die. We know it. Yet we are fooled to believe that we are immortal. But if we go a little deeper, the story touches this paradox that we believe we are immortal because something in us is immortal. There is something in us which just refuses to believe in death. And something in us which even uses death. If we look at much of the beautiful things that have happened in life, one wonders that if death was not as a goad, if there was no death and man had time, you know, lot of time with himself. The other day I was just wondering, of course, at a very personal note that we now I'm you know nearing 48 and I was just wondering uh, how much more time before one can fully be rooted in the divine all the time and then one was wondering that if one was told oh you have 500 years to live would I still feel the same way or would I say I have a lot of time I can wait it's okay maybe after 100 years I'll think about it it's some, something very strange that death serves as a goad as a spur. Although a dim bystander at man's start, death starts from the time we are born. Cells die the moment we are born. Age catches up, time begins to fly. Although a dim bystander at life's start. And the last seal of judgment on man's futile works. Other is the mystery of its ambiguous face. What is that other mystery? Shrivindu tells us death is a passage, a stair, a door, a stumbling stride the soul must take from birth to birth. It's a passage towards immortality. In fact, the Upanishad speaks about it in a very cryptic sense. By death, they discover immortality. It's very, very interesting that why there is death and how it appears to us at different levels, posing, as we say, a kind of challenge. But if we go behind the mask, we see actually behind this dark and hideous mask, still there is only one thing, the smile of the eternal beloved, because there is nothing else in this universe. And what else death can be but a mask? In one of the places, Shurabindu writes that if at all there was an eternal hell, God would make it out of love, because he knows only to love. There can be no other logic behind it. Yet, we meet the stark paradox we want immortality, we, we want eternal love, we want bliss, we want unchanging truth. And all the time we are met by a force that breaks and shatters everything as if it's 
in it has one single goal one single agenda just break our dreams and sometimes it can act with such a ruthlessness that we wonder whether it's you know to use savitri's phrase if a cruel and blind god is destiny's architect that you are having a very beautiful time and things you cherish and something is snatched away from you which you cherish so much but actually if we go behind the mask we see he's a reminder we have probably clung to our imperfections we won't let go to use a modern phrase and death comes to remind us that what we are clinging to is truly something imperfect it's not yet perfect even ideals philosophies death takes savitri through the symbol realms where it shows look here all these philosophies all these intellectual debates all that you have been saying they are nothing but words and many people have come and said beautiful things and look what has happened to these lineage of prophets there they are in my symbol realm and i reign over them i death am lord what is it really trying to tell savitri or ask from her it's trying to say are they mere words and it's really very very important especially other day i was sharing with uh, shradhavan ji that i always feel little reluctant about speaking the reason is that these are high truths which needs to be experienced and lived we have to become them and sometimes when we speak about them and more so when speaking becomes a way of life we are apt to forget that it's one thing to speak about them it's quite another to realize experience and live them it's easy to say that you know we hear it in the traditions we all know there is a soul and there is a psychic being and you know we can give a beautiful lecture on psychic being there is the psychic being and we have read all about it and we can talk about it but that's not what impresses death it knows how to test us so it stands one day and says oh you have been giving talks all your life on the psychic being show me show me where is it can we say at that time as savitri says to death conscious of my immortality i walk it's very interesting very powerful this one line death gives savitri all kinds of logic that this is matter you are built of this matter and what are you talking about bringing god into this matter or you are talking about love high things what is it it's mud a frail mud engine for temporary use savitri doesn't you know reply to this logic by another logic she could have given a whole theory of physics that no no you are calling it mud but actually it's energy and if you see it's a dance of energy and energy doesn't disintegrate therefore it's immortal she doesn't say a word about that she could have said that she simply says one line oh death conscious of my immortality i walk finished i don't need all your logics about whether it's mud or not i know what is mud but i know what is soul who can say that if you look at the whole debate of love and death when does it start 
often of course we want to reach that point very fast it starts already after savitri has undergone the basic yoga she has realized her soul all her centers have opened in full bloom she has realized the nirvana and the all negating absolute she has known being and non being and as death says later on acknowledges she has risen above the contempt of form and the snare of form there are two snares in spiritual traditions we find which we must rise beyond if we really want to establish immortality here upon earth one is the snare of forms snare of forms is we all know very well we just see the form and are identified with it and this form is not only physical it's i mean it's understood its forms of philosophy its intellectual ideas opinions feelings passions desires impulses everything is a form so snare of form we are too much attached to the form and we don't know what is behind it so there is a snare of the form it holds us with a <coughs> very tight knot around us in the upanishadic language it's called avidya we are caught up in the trap of avidya the multiplicity but there is another snare when we begin to detach ourselves from this snare of forms there is another snare that attracts us the snare of the contempt of forms we have had spiritual traditions great in their own right but they all talk about the beyond there is a contempt for forms this transient unhappy earth that is how even the overmind look upon this earth is a scripture as great as the gita speaks about this world as anityam asukham lokam this transient unhappy world this is the look one has even standing on the borders of the overmind when we look at this world we see it as a transient a being as great as the buddha as heroic and mighty in spirit as the buddha looks upon this world and he speaks about it as a sorrowful world an ignorant world moved by desire created out of the womb of desire and that is the other snare the snare of the contempt of forms and death tests both in savitri we see death first tests savitri whether she is attached to the form and she is mistaking it for something true because words can easily deceive we always we are used to using very beautiful words words and we think my no in my case it is different mother says it very beautifully when she speaks about how people can easily get deceived she says people get deceived this power of deception is so powerful in human mind and they know all this but when it comes to them they say no 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 my case is different my love is true love i know no i know that there is a vital love there is a mental love there is a physical love but my love is true love it's so easy to get deceived so difficult to be sincere that is why repeatedly if one word that strikes throughout in mother's writings prominent from the beginning till the end is sincerity this capacity to look at things just as they are and not to be deceived by appearances yet we can be deceived by appearances 
and death comes to see what kind of we are using a word what is the meaning so savitri says i want my other self satyavan give him back to me and he says oh you are talking of love i know what is love i know it's there has been a scientific study done in harvard university and they've just discovered that love is nothing but a secretion in the gland and uh, latest some psychiatrists talk about some neurotransmitters that's all don't talk about love and i also know that some poets write very beautiful poetry on it nice words ethereal yes yes it gives a little happiness sometimes but i know what happens to love it dies within the lover's breast and he says you should thank me <laughs> that i am taking satyavan if he would have lived love would have died within your heart that has been the history what is he really doing through all this whispering he is testing savitri he is the great tester it's the most difficult task that's why mother says it's very good to remember that you are being tested but never ever assume the role of a tester in anybody's life <laughs> because it means we are identified with the great adversary it is his task god has given him this task to test and every time we criticize pass harsh judgments on others we are basically assuming the role of death but that's not our role our role is to be on the side of the divine and when we are asked can we say like savitri can we say that my love is not a craving of the flesh my love is not a hunger of the heart one may not have a craving of the flesh there may be a heart's need wants to clutch at the joy can we say that love has undergone its full evolution within us what is that evolutionary journey she says when death challenges and says you talk about love i know what love is and i have seen all the stories of romeo and juliet right down to our ages and i know what happens to them they ultimately come to my lap and sleep so savitri has something very beautiful to say she says then you know not how love blossoms and grows and evolves love that was once an animal's desire and then a sweet and rapturous madness in the heart and next a happy comradeship in the mind becomes a yearning in wide spiritual space of the alone seeking for the one the whole evolutionary journey of love she has mapped my love comes from god and goes back and returns to him the day we realize this truth that everything is a mask of the one beloved then we can confront death and say who are you you to are a mask and i can see behind your mask and see that same unchanging smile that is the whole evolutionary journey so so death comes to test us we use words we use philosophies we use very nice language and it says okay tell me where are you what is what is the sense you put into it what is the sense of matter savitri speaks about it she says even in matter i see it is 
crammed with spiritual science everywhere in the script of matter this world is written in the script of matter and what do we find here it's crammed with spiritual science one has to really look around and one will see the very structure of the atom is nothing but a reflection of the one around whom the stars move it's so interesting that gets reflected right into the atom shubindu sees even in electron shiva's chariot fiery chariot that is the vision that has to be developed when we look at matter actually as a robe of the spirit and a robe that must become worthy of the wearer it doesn't mean that it's a robe of the spirit so i'll disrobe the spirit and go back that's not why it takes a robe it, the robe has to be worthy of the wearer and that's how one works upon matter and when we works with that view then things become different begin to become different it's not out of any attachment to the form it's because one knows that it is here this place and the next is where we see contempt of forms you can we can get detached from the snare of the forms with a little bit of yoga and a whole lot of experience of life because there is a subconscious yoga in life what yoga doesn't do for us sometimes the experience of life does for us and we begin to become free of the snare of forms if we look at life little perceptively but then there is a possibility of swing to the other side contempt of forms contempt of this world and death gives a very interesting reason logic it says okay fine you speak about god first it asks what is your god and he defines god he says your god is nothing but a cold impersonal void and you call it god but i know that god it is matter is standing on that void and that god can't help you why you talk about love and other things okay you have your god choose him go into that and merge where is the question of divinizing earth where is the question of changing life where is the question of immortality i know what is god it's a cold impersonality in which everything returns out of which everything is born maybe he is beyond me though i believe that i am that god that makes it categorical so we may use the word god again it tests savitri what do you mean by the term do you have the experience and then savitri describes who is this god she says my god is love and he sweetly suffers all what a touching it's not god as an impersonality shubindu says what is the goal of his yoga he says the goal of his yoga is that beyond the impersonal there is the supreme infinite personality of the divine and we want to manifest that personality that infinite personality into the human so there is that side of the divine which is the divine as being and death would concede the presence of non being or an impersonality but it would not accept that there is a being and there is this other kind of lure and temptation that okay merge into the impersonal but savitri speaks about the god she has experienced 
and she says i have seen him smile through many a masks i have seen him triumph in the flower i have seen him speak through the boughs in the morning heard him call from every from every bough in the morning i know who is this he is the one from whom i have come upon earth and then he says okay fine your god is very great maybe he is some kind of a transcendent being then go to him why you want to do something here he is too great for this earth and savitri says something very very beautiful she says well that's why i am here because this is the difficult task it's very easy to go up there but much more difficult to build immortality with mortal things perishable stuff with gross things we want to build something beautiful now when we look at this approach the whole attitude the whole inner life of savitri is being tested thoroughly by death because he is not to be deceived by appearances that's why he is also called in the indian mythology as dharma raja one wonders what kind of a guardian of the law he is a keeper of the law and what dharma does he fulfill he is the guardian of the law and what is the law everything has been put into certain limits and it must live within those limits it cannot exceed those limits it's not given because if it exceeds those limits everything will collapse creation runs by that whole machinery if an animal begins to live for many more years than its average life span is it would upset the balance even if one species this happens the balance is so delicate so he is the guardian of the law but in man there is an incorrigible impulse to break the law you make a law and there's the surest way to make sure that somebody will be there who will find a way to break it this is a human impulse it's very strange we un- unnecessarily blame poor animals you know they are very nice if you put make a little fence it's amazing <laughs> you put a little fence around a tiger or a lion and sometimes you just wonder you go to a you know circus and you see a lion sitting there not one seven eight of them and that small little man with a whip lash and these fellows if they want they could just get out of the frame but so many times it has happened once in a while if you really leave the door open and something disastrous happens they would live within that they would not go beyond that they would not break from the law they don't do that animals whatever law is fixed for them they live within that if they are hungry they eat they'll not eat just like that but man tries to break the law this is something incorrigibly or incurably right or wrong in him his impulse is there it's very interesting that this breaking of the law is actually to expand the boundaries and limits to test the boundaries how far can i go how far can i go at every level man tests the boundaries and here we see the ancient upanishadic sense of death 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 is in a sense the natural consequence of being finite 
and immortality in its widest sense is infinity of being finiteness of being becomes death because by its very nature it's if it's finite it will have a beginning it will have an end but if it's infinite it has neither a beginning nor an end so the one way is to jump from finiteness into infinity the other way is which sounds almost an impossible task but that's the work one is here to do to fill the finite with the infinite these are lines used in savitri a light that a power that lives upon the heights must act fill the mortal's room with the immortal's air and the finite with infinity that is the sense death and immortality death is about living in boundaries so it tests the boundaries and every time man tries to exceed the boundaries he becomes a claimant to immortality it's very interesting that what is the path to immortality by gradually expanding the limits and the boundaries and if we look at from that point of view we see that throughout this in in this history of human evolution we may say that ultimately death is the last victor but that's not true if we look at it closely we see life is the victor when first living beings appear the boundaries of matter are pushed a little further and rigid matter begins to become pliable matter breathing matter there is a pushing of the boundary again when man comes the boundaries are pushed and savitri gives this logic to death that look how every time boundaries are being pushed again now with human beings there is a natural urge of pushing the limits of things and especially in this age we see it has really come in a very big way whether at the level of science whether at the level of art music you want to break the norms and push beyond the norms and every effort to push the boundaries every effort to exceed the limits every effort to go beyond the law not just break the law but go beyond the law and exceed it is essentially a step that humanity takes towards immortality and that is the great labor in which the ancient mother is engaged so death when savitri speaks about all this since that's the context we are speaking about she asks he asks that what is the purpose of all this and she gives the whole story of creation that how death you have been born and how it's the divine who plunged into this darkness and is rescuing consciousness out of that darkness and the first sign of that rescue is that matter is born second sign he rescues life he rescues mind and if we see in in that inevitable process of logic now shurbindo comes to rescue the eighth son of aditi the supramental which is also plunged into this darkness hidden in its dark cave is rescuing it and rescues it and that's what is the whole labor every life 
the moment a psychic being is born into matter it some consciousness however little it be is created is increased upon earth and that is the little victory that each one wins mother speaks about it says well your little victories may not lead to the universal victory right away but that's what is given to us and we must do that and if we do that we add to this sum of the victory of the universe and it's very beautiful to live with that divine humility it's really not so necessary whether immediately our body will become immortal or not it's okay even mother you know at that level it's amazing she says it doesn't matter one body it doesn't matter whether it is this body or some other i mean if she could have that humility it doesn't matter she with all the knowledge and the power armed with such a wonderful preparation she says it doesn't matter whether it's going to be this body or some other body of course uh, we have a penchant for uh, you know every statement that the divine gives the ego can reflect into and say some other body maybe mine is the one <laughs> we should be very careful to <laughs> these whispers you know <laughs> how death deceives us <coughs> some other body she says with that humility but everything that is done every little victory is a victory for the earth it is that sense of the collective in which one has to live that whatever little is stamped upon matter whatever little truth one can bring down whatever little light one is beautifully reminded of this story when nowadays all this talk is going on over rama setu so when the bridge is being built between india and lanka the story goes that you know great monkeys are coming and they take the name of lord and write it over the stones and throw it and the stones float so there is a little squirrel it rolls itself in the mud and goes into the sea takes a dip and comes back so rama asks what are you doing you may just get crushed you know all these great monkeys and bear and you don't see what are you up to she says i don't know i know they are building a bridge for you so so i do also want to participate very good but i can't lift big rocks like these fellows what i can do is few grains of sand i can roll around in my body and put it into the sea maybe the sea will be a little more accessible for you and rama full of compassion puts it hands over the back of the squirrel and as the indian legend goes that's why we see three marks on the squirrel's back that's how the legend goes it's a very touching story we all need not be the great monkeys who will lift up stones and throw and do but we can always be little squirrels roll into a little sand this earth and this little earth this little mud of which we are made offer it to the divine and say take it this is yours do with it what you will and leave it to him if we can do that we have done our bit in the conquest of immortality immortality is not just one day i will wake up and see that i am never going to die in fact death says such an immortality will be a pain 
I think I have recounted this story of the professor who became immortal overnight and he got a card from death. Professor so and so, we have decided by consensus in the land of death that thou shalt not die. And the professor is very happy and all the media gathers around him, CNN, IBN, BBC, everybody. You have become immortal? Yes sir, yes. I have got this card as proof. Oh, very good. And there is a lot of interviews and parties and he overeats and has an indigestion. And one night he is troubled because of this indigestion and rings up to his... He first wakes up his wife. His wife says, Stop, don't disturb me at night. I know nothing is going to happen to you. Quietly go off to sleep. Don't disturb my sleep. You are immortal. I am a mortal being. And he calls his doctor and the doctor says, Oh, you are the same man. Okay, don't bother. Nothing is any ways going to happen to you. Even if an ulcer bursts, you are not going to die. That immortality is a curse. In Mahabharata legend, we have Ashwatthama who is accursed because of his immortality. He won't die and he has a wound over his head. A reminder of his deeds. First immortality we have to gain is to become conscious of the one. That is the immortality. It's a beautiful line in Savitri, in, in Shubhindu's poem, The Divine Worker. He says, I face earth's happenings with an equal soul. In all are heard thy feet. In all are heard thy steps, thy unseen feet. Tread destiny's pathway in my front. Life's whole tremendous theorem is thou complete. So he goes on describing that. And then he says, uh, I am wrestling with this earth and laboring at thy plan. And the punchline comes, no power can slay my soul, it lives in thee. Thy presence is my immortality. That is the first immortality. The immortality of the immortal being in us. When we think about immortality, we straight away think immortality of this personality. Shurabindu says, besides it will be very boring. Who would like to be the same person forever? It's going to be sickening. I mean, even one life, it's so difficult to be the same, same, same. Sometimes you wish you, you had a change. Now, poor fellow comes with a ticket that, okay, I'm going to give you a change. What does death do normally? It comes with a ticket that I have bought you a free ticket with a gift hamper and next life you will be going there and to boot it all, you will forget about all this. You know, when we go on holidays, we don't want to remember all the business uh, meetings and the problems and the issues at home, we want to forget everything. So normally death tells us, here we are, I am going to give you a change. Very nice. Where do I go? Well, pick and choose. You want to go to so and so place, have a nice time, okay? But you know, phone calls and all, say, don't worry, I'll switch off your phone for good. Change your numbers. Even your identity I'm going to change. Don't bother. You just be there, enjoy, relax. And when you feel like, call me again. Or maybe time to time I'll visit, ask you, do you want a change? Yes, I think I need a change. Okay, fine, come over. That's the normal plan of death anyways. 
it basically gives us a change. Shobindu says one of the reasons, there are several reasons why death is, exists. And we must counteract each of these reasons because unless we take care of those issues, they cannot be the immortality just given like that. One reason why death is there is one, because we live by the separative sense of the ego. And even if something within us is free from that, matter and physical form lives by the physical ego. There is a physical ego. There is a vital ego. There is a mental ego. And of course, there is also a spiritual ego. And we need not talk about it. And we live with all these egos as masks and caps. And not only we live by these masks and caps, we are very happy about these masks and caps. We think that's me. And if one cap is taken out, we feel very hurt. Oh, I am Mr. So-and-so. How did he speak to me so casually? How could he ask a gate pass from me? Doesn't he know who I am? Right from my childhood, I have been here and done so much work and this fellow has the cheek to ask a pass. We miss an opportunity to be immortal. We are still identified with this frail stuff and think we are a claimant to immortality. So these are the identities we wear around us. And the first thing is to discover our true identity. So much so that all the time we can feel and be conscious that no power can slay my soul, it lives in thee. Thy presence is my immortality. It's a twin meditation. One, thy presence. Second, I live in thee. This double meditation. Thy presence everywhere. In all are heard thy steps. And second, I live in thee. If we can practice these two meditations, a very practical way of doing it. And live by that sense that in everything there is the divine presence. Even in this terrible mass. Shabindo has actually practiced it. It's not theory. If we take it just at the level of theory, it doesn't work out. We may know all the theories in the world, but no theory can save us. No philosophy can rescue us. It's only being, living, doing. And the second is that we live constantly in her presence. Whatever happens, however difficult the circumstances, we live by the sense that we live in her, we live by her, we live for her. The second thing is that life force in us seeks infinite experiences because it comes from the infinite. So death says, okay, I am going to provide this to you. And as long as we have this kind of a aircraft or a vehicle, we will need to change vehicles. But supposing we have a vehicle which is so plastic that it obeys the inner will. And I suppose that's the beauty of the Pushpak Viman, only it is in the wrong hands. The story of Pushpak Viman is in Ravana's hands. And it should be in the right hands. It's the Yan, this, this is the vehicle, this is described as the vehicle. This vehicle does not obey the spiritual will. How often does it not happen that we take beautiful resolutions in the morning? Or of course on 1st January or 31st December. And it takes just a few hours. I have seen diabetics. Just a few days back we had 
whole lot of tests in our nursing home and people were found diabetic and all and some people took a resolution that i'll not eat sweets hardly a week has passed and some of them were already at it it doesn't obey it's like matter pulls you back because it is born from the womb of inconscience habits laws habits most of all in fact what are laws they are simply habits mother says and death is one of the worst habits it's not a law because matter is born it has tendency to collapse back into inconscience again and again it comes it has it is pulled and one can almost have a visual picture of it that a psychic being a being of light plunges immortal being into the darkness pulls out something and that something is resisting wanting to go back but it pulls and pulls and with the grace of the divine pulls it more and more and after a while rest of it is not able to follow pace it breaks and collapses but something is extracted something is still extracted and that develops around the soul as a psychic personality something some experience of contact with the earth we have all lived here a million times and of course death claims why does it play the claim because it says i am the one from which matter is born you are just a newcomer and as long as we believe we are just a newcomer and live in that consciousness it can't work out because it says i am created even before i mean i have created all this and it is true of the mind of man it is true of the embodied being but what of the psychic being of the soul in us it has existed before there was time before there was birth before there was non birth it was there and it's that we must find that is the first step its very substance is immortal and then by a constant fusion of that substance it's percolating into all the layers of a being its constant aspiration waking up in every part of a being to unite with the divine that one day humanity will and there is not a shadow of doubt about it or rather god in the mask of humanity will reclaim this earth for himself and that is truly what is called as the redemption of matter or what is called in lot of uh, legends as the second coming there is a legend about second coming in christianity in buddhism in hinduism and there are various ways of looking looking at it what really is second coming it's very interesting why does the coming of god has to depart we come directly to this subject of mothers and shurbindos their departure this is the month when apparently outwardly you know they leave the physical body what really why this talk about second coming what is the first coming it's god taking birth in matter so the question is he is omnipotent omniscient all powerful why he has to leave why he can't stay forever upon earth as embodied being how beautiful and simple it would be the other day somebody was telling me that it was so easy 
that even for putting a child in a particular hostel, one wrote to the mother, one didn't have to use this head to decide. You know, now one talks about oh, this hostel is better or that hostel is better. One wrote to the mother and mother said, put him in this, this hotel, hostel and the matter was over. Now you have to go inside, get a feel, you have to think, use all these machinery. The first coming, divine comes in matter and for some reason, various reasons, we will not go into that. Shubhinder, the mother has spoken about it. One reason is where he says, hard is it to persuade earth nature's change. Mortality bears ill the eternal's touch. It's assault of fire and sweetness. Almost with hate repels the light that it brings. How do we respond when God is there? We throw heaps of doubt and all this. So, well, on one side, we think God is slow. From the side of God, he thinks man is slow. But as the mother says, everything is just as it should be. That's how it is. And the second coming is, in all the traditions we have, when the divine comes, he doesn't have to go back. Because it's very interesting when we speak about the second coming, it's a coming forever. It's as if this coming will establish the divine reign upon earth, even that is spoken. What does divine reign upon earth means? It's not about victory of a particular religion or a universal religion spreading over all other religions. It's very simple. It's the victory of divine upon earth, the victory of Godhead in matter, matter divinizing itself and discovering its own spiritual substance. That is the second coming. And that is as mother says, the true resurrection is matter being lifted up to its true status. That is the coming for which we wait. And Shurbinda and the mother have made it very, very clear, not left it an iota of doubt that this is the work we have to do. And it doesn't matter whether it takes 100 years, a 1000 years, a 10,000 years, a million years. Have we not been engaged in it for a million years? A very beautiful poem of Shirvindo, Meditations of Mandavya. He says, I will not faint, O Lord. There is a thirst, and the thirst presupposes water somewhere. Maybe in this life I may never find. Are there not hundreds left behind? Old nature sits a phantom on the way. Old, fan old ghosts return. But I will persist, my Lord. This is the meditation. What does it matter? We have left behind a hundred thousand lives. Even if a hundred thousand lives, we'll have the joy of the labor. If there is something to be done, this is it. And this is the fire that the mother, I suppose, has awakened in earth. How beautifully she says, this should be the fire with which we must approach. And what is that fire? She says, when you feel this is the thing you are meant to do and you don't want to do anything else, this alone attracts you, 
no more for your own sake not that i'll become immortal this little personality whom everybody knows it as mr x or mr y that would be absurdity but the work of the triumph of divine in matter the redemption of the divine of of matter by the touch divine that is the task a task worthy of our being man and how does it matter how many times we have been born how many times we have died how many times death has claimed our bodies our lives our minds how many times this has happened and yet there is something it cannot claim and that we are and that something and the grace divine will rescue matter one day out of its inertia and somnolence and upon this earth will bloom the heavenly rose the deathless rose i will uh, i think just pause here if there are some questions we could probably take up absolutely and that is something always to be remembered especially in this yoga shubhendra made it very clear that there is nothing like an individual endeavor to become an individual supramental being he himself never tried it in fact shubhendra and the mother said that at one point of time there was a choice whether to go ahead and become supramental themselves or to carry everything together and then he says the choice was instantaneous spontaneous and obvious to carry everything together what it means is that as long as we uh, seek for an individual victory in the yoga it's again some way or the other the ego asserting itself it's hiding under the guise of yoga under the guise of spirituality and and death will knock it at some point you see it's very interesting the last victory is won not by knowledge but by the authentic power and death asks that knowledge is with thee truth speaks through thy words but who art thou now that time we see the individual being of savitri melting into the world mothers she immediately brings out that well you think i am just a little woman who is uh, living for uh, this man here you see who i am and when she is one with the being of the world mother death not only concedes but is licked up by that light so that should be the sense what i mean is that yes every little task now he, there in that story rama or let's say a divine incarnate being is at the center and everybody is weaving his life around that and if we all could live with that sense of the collective not just a human collective which can be a collective ego but where we work together for the divine and center our lives around the divine and each individual individual unit is conscious that in the background who is it but a child of the supreme there is a nice story a real event not not a story of someone whose wife was very ill on the bed and she started seeing beings of death and she she wanted to like she was afraid so her husband told her that don't don't talk about uh, tell them when they come next to you that you are the mother's child and they have no right over you and she could say that 
and those beings went away she went on to live for a few more years of course she departed the point is that we don't go to death we come from light and go to light and we should live constantly by that awareness and it is my not just belief but uh, it's based on certain experiences also of people who have talked about it that those who know that very clearly and are identified with the divine uh, in some way or the other in their aspirations in their heart somewhere we don't go to the land of death we go to her we come back from her and that's what shrimda speaks about in durga stroth that we come from you from yug age after age to do thy work and go back to you that when we live in that consciousness then anyways the sting of death is lost all that we do is we move from her bosom to her garden and when we go to the garden we may hold a little blade of grass as you were saying a little work or we may plant a little seed or maybe we are just sitting on the tree and just enjoying but the whole thing makes a garden and when we are drawn back we go back to the breast of the one in whom all her children are safe from the garden we move on to her heart and back to this workplace that's it. Mm. yeah yeah if we live on the surface being no but if we live in our depths uh, yeah, yeah please sit, please sit down because when we live in the surface being identified then it just comes like a wave and washes away it's like the tsunami you know <laughs> but if you if you have held yourself anchored yourself in in some depth then yes you know that it is there it's brooding shadow you can feel and sense you can confront it and if you want have a dialogue with it but <laughs> not a very pleasant dialogue <laughs> but it's that basically one should be anchored within for that but uh, that's the whole journey if we live in that conscious of our souls conscious of our immortality conscious of the divine presence then we can see it and there are yogis who can almost do know that yes they are they have to depart for whatever reasons and they talk about it but for that that awareness has to come in this very life yeah yes yeah that's i think i should revert the question to you because i really feel you are much more qualified to answer this uh, being uh, an expert in the language of sanskrit but uh, what i feel is uh, if i were to give an answer intuitively uh, the way death is conceived in indian mythologies is in a certain limited sense and shubindu has given it a much wider sense because shubindu has looked at the being of death right not only the great fall but as death itself evolves like if you see savitri as death stands from the eternal night where it assumes simply a dreadful form and says this is matter and this is fragile and who are you then as death moves into the twilight zone its language changes it begins to mix truth with falsehood it begins to pervert first is a dark denial and the next is distortion perversion of truth in fact savitri says you speak the truth but the truth that slays and it goes still further and as it moves into the higher realms of the mind death assumes a different voice again it says okay initially it says there is no god next it says i am god third it says there may be an impersonal god last it says there may be a transcendent god but nothing can happen here you go back to him 
Now, if we see that way, that kind of a role, I think in Indian mythology is, I mean, it's very wide, but uh, it is still very limited when we come to Shrabindo's vision. Uh, I mean, with all due respect to Indian mythology, even its wideness, it's very limited when we see Shrabindo. So death, Shrabindo has really, uh, in, in, in the being of death, he has put so much and so many things. Uh, also, but if I look at it from the pure... Um, point of view of the little Sanskrit that I understand, I would feel that in its sense the word Yama carries a lot of meaning. It's almost like uh, it gives me the sense of uh, sun concealing itself and I think that's the story how, the, how Yama comes into being. It's the sun which goes and hides into the darkness and Yama becomes the guardian of this world and Surya the guardian of the higher world. So, I mean but Shurbindo, you know, brings it out with so much of force and light and truth. This is my feeling. But exactly if we go into the words that I probably... Why he's not used that? Yeah. But I'll ask you this question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Please. Yes. You are absolutely true that not only that, every time one is born, as mother says, uh, one is takes a plunge into the inconscience. And it's true that one has to, even a very great being has to struggle before, you know, he can recapture something of that state of the previous life where he had reached. So to that extent, there is a certain amount of loss, there is a waste of energies and death is the one which eats at one place is described as uh, who eats the cold remnants of the sun. So, you know, things which have been thrown as a waste, it's true. Uh, but as regard facing, there are two ways of facing it. One is, of course, the way of knowledge, which always has its pluses and minuses. The pluses and minuses are uh, the way of knowledge, let's say, is that we know when a young lady had died and Shurbindo had uh, was asked by Dilip Kumar Roy, why did such a fine flower had to fade away so soon? And that reply is there in, in Shubhindo's letters. Dilip Kumar Roy asked. It was about um, Uma Devi, who was a famous singer, regarded as Nightingale of Bengal. At 21, she died of um, throat cancer. And a very fine lady with all the noble qualities. And Shubhindo said something very interesting. He said she had arrived at the highest she could develop in this life as a, at a sattvic stage of development. And to take uh, further her journey was not possible in this body. One can understand. She was quite famous and you know, she would have probably got caught into the cycle of fame and name and, and something in a being wanted to take a leap. So she chose the door of death. The problem is, I have seen this knowledge is also not enough. Uh, because we know it. As long as we know it intellectually, it doesn't work out. So this intellectual knowledge in our real life, we must try and strive to the best of our abilities to translate it into actual living experience because then to a large extent we are conscious you know once we are conscious then we are aware that you know death cannot but intellectual knowledge doesn't suffice but still further this aspect of the power which is so important and ultimately as far as because this question I have pondered having seen so many people who have gone through this kind of pain and yes you feel a lot about that what would be the ultimate um, way that humanity will come out of this at its present stage 
यू कैनोट डू मच बियॉन्ड प्रोबेबली कोल्ड कम्फर्ट और ए सोलेस टाइम ग्रेस हील सेट यू कैन स्पीक वी कैन स्पीक अबाउट एटीट्यूड्स एंड वेरियस वेज एंड दैट्स ओके बट इट्स ओनली वेन ह्यूमन बींग्स रीच एट ए पॉइंट ऑफ डेवलपमेंट वेर दे कूड सी द सोल जस्ट एज वी सी द बॉडी आई मीन देर कैन बी नो अदर वे बट इट कंप्लीट रेंडिंग ऑफ द वेल ऑफ इग्नोरेंस राइट नाउ वी कैनोट सी वी आर सो बैडली आइडेंटिफाइड एज ए कलेक्टिव रेस and those individuals who have free have always been free of the sting they i mean when there was a death um, in the ashram somebody drowned and mother was you know when mother was asked about it she said yes he came to me and he wanted to go as simple as that it was like you know so and so came and said well i am going and another person who died in an accident mother described it in such a way it's amazing i mean somebody would say it's a very traumatic death it was a young death of a devotee's uh, you know son was also a, this thing and mother said oh the moment he was free from the body he came running to me and said i am free i am free i am free he was happy now if we were to see that with that vision where would this thing be and that's why i feel ultimately the real triumph is to grow in experience there is no other way and we should press hard for that in individually and the more we can do it within us it's hard it's a long road it's a difficult journey but then we remember is cup of immortality for the weak so maybe it will take a few lifetimes it doesn't matter but we should not be satisfied with intellectual knowledge i think one of the big problems especially in uh, with us who have this uh, you know this upper story active unfortunately is that we read something and we understand something we don't know whether what we read and understand is the same thing or not but the big trap is we believe that because we have intellectually understood and because worse still we can make others understand we have no further work to do and this is very dangerous so one has to constantly work towards experiencing and realize not that one should seek experiences that should be the says very clearly but on the path one should move on on the path beyond the mind to something which is beyond and this is the whole path of yoga till we can reach that point where we see the soul as we see the body and mother has spoken about it that a day would come man has to follow that road where she says uh, o mortal thou who complainest of death and fate what is given to thee make of thy daily way a pilgrimage for through small joys and griefs thou movest towards god and perhaps if one goes through that grief it becomes a kind of um not conscious tapas but a subconscious tapas it's it's a sad thing but that's the reality and that in a way serves to press us now if we look at from the other standpoint if it was not there if the heart were not forced to want and weep the soul would have lain down content at ease this is the problem of us that unless we are shaken by circumstances we are too happy in our safety zones with our loved ones as you said and we very easily forget the one uh, that line in savitri you know where he says all that denies must be torn out and slain and crushed the many longings for whose sake we lose the one for whom our lives were made and we do it all the time so this shake up unfortunately unfortunately really becomes at one point necessary perhaps it's a shortcut to heaven's gate okay thank you so much 
such a joy being here.